walk with the Lord um, in consistency. And we've covered having a clear perspective for our circumstances and having a clear perspective for people and how to relate to people. And if you miss those, I really encourage you to, to jump on our podcast and just catch up because these are truths that will serve you for the rest of your life. If we can walk and see things the way God sees them, then, man, the battle's half won. Amen? Amen. All right. So, today we're going to continue on the perspective track, but we're going to take a big zoom out, and we're going to talk about living with an eternal perspective. And I feel like if every Christian started living with an eternal perspective instead of a temporary one, we'd live in a very different world. Then, it's a foundational teaching that I don't think we talk enough about. And I wish someone had unpacked this for me when I was 12. And I feel like I don't have enough time to do it justice today. So this is going to be like a broad stroke have a think about this stuff, guys. Get in the word. <laughs> That's what this is going to be. Um, but in Hebrews 6.1, you can go there um, during the week, but it talks about the elementary doctrines of Christ. And it talks about repentance from dead works. It talks about um, following Jesus, faith in God. It talks about baptism. It talks about the laying on of hands, which is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about eternal judgment. And I feel like we do the first few really well, and then we don't hear a lot about eternal judgment. So I'm going to jump into it. I was reading Revelation a few weeks ago, and I read the whole book in, I think, like two sittings. I just got into it. I'm like, read, read, read. Speak to me, Father. Don't, I don't understand everything, but I'm just going to read it until you tell me to stop. The biggest thing that jumped out at me was uh, when Jesus, he speaks to seven churches. He addresses seven churches. And in, those, in addressing the seven churches, he says, um, he's like, I know you like what you're doing. And he's like, you're doing this and this really well. That I have this against you, doing this really poorly. But then he ends that that rebuke sandwich, doing this, you're not doing this great. But then he ends with, to the one who conquers, you're gonna get a reward. Seven times. Okay, so we're just gonna flick through just to like stir your spirit up. There's some rewards on offer for people that conquer. Isn't that exciting? That excited me. That we're not just going through hard things in life for nothing. There's a reward. Revelation 2.6 says, He who has ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 2, 10 to 11. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison 
that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2, 25 to 28. Jesus is saying, only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end. Notice there's a keeping until the end. There's not a fizzing out halfway through. To him I will give authority over nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken into pieces. Even as I myself have, re have received authority from my father. Man, there's authority on offer for people who conquer in this life. Revelation 3.5 The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. To the one who conquers. Revelation 3. 10 to 12, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming to the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my new name. Wow. Revelation 3.21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. That's these are some pretty hectic rewards for the ones who conquer. Man, imagine, if I conquer, I get to sit on the throne with Jesus. Far out. And did you know there are over, there's at least 60. I've counted 60, and I couldn't miss some. So 
thing vanishes. Does what I'm what I'm freaking out about 
A, high, a very high percentage of your problems won't be problems anymore. Alright, let's get into some scripture. 2 Corinthians. I'm going to put this down. 2 Corinthians 5, 6-10. This is Paul, and he's writing to a church. So he's not writing to unbelievers, he's writing to a church. And it says, we know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. So while we're here on this earth and we've got our body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. I'll just stop right there. We make it our aim to please him. Do you know you can't make the Lord love you any more than he already does? He demonstrated his love to us that while we were still sinners, he died. He was crucified, he was torn apart. But we can please the Lord increasingly. Does that make sense? So nothing you do, good or bad, is going to make him, it's not going to change his unconditional love for you. But I can please the Lord. I can walk in a manner that's pleasing to him. And I can walk in a manner that's not. And still have the, still be loved by God. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he says, so whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Why? He says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. He's talking to believers here. There's going to be a, a, a sifting of, did you make Jesus your Lord? Are you born again or not? The sheep and the goats. There'll be a sifting. It's like easy, yes or no, is your name in the book of life or not? But then there's a, a judgment for believers where rewards will be given and losses will, will happen. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. 
If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as, as through fire. Okay, so it's like saying, this is not huge, Christians. This is huge. Take note on how you build because there's an eternity at stake here. And most of you in this room, if not all of you, have made a decision that Jesus is my Lord now. So where, where you spend eternity is settled. But there's also a whole eternity where we'll be worshipping Jesus, but there's authority to do things. There'll be... There'll be a new earth. There'll be jobs to do. We're not just going to be floating around. There'll be stuff to do. There's an eternity. It's, it's something to think about. So we take care about how we build, the motives that we build with, the things that we're doing. We're told in the word to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus gives such a stern warning in Matthew 7. And he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Oh. Many will say to me on that day, Many is not just a handful, it's not one or two, it's many. Many means a multitude. I read somewhere that um, they researched into that word and it was they came to the conclusion over 50%. I, I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket, but many is a, a lot to be alarmed about. Imagine sitting in church for your whole life thinking that you're saved and all good. I, I was brought up in a Christian home. Thinking that you're saved and all good. And then you get to Jesus. And he's like, I never knew you. Weren't, you weren't doing the will of my Father. And I loved how there's a direct correlation between making Jesus your Lord which we learned last week means our master, our controller, the, the person to whom we belong. There's a direct correlation between making Jesus your Lord and a relationship with him that looks like doing the Father's will. It should look like something. Our Lord. It should look like doing the Father's will. 
John 2, 3, it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Wow. My story, part of my story, which I don't tell very often, is it messes with people's theology. Part of my story is I was, I was raised in a Christian home, born in a Christian home, never doubted the existence of God, never had any reason to, never thought real deeply about it either. And when I was 12 years old, I put my hand up to follow Jesus. It was a genuine decision, felt the Holy Spirit. I was like, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Put my hand up. Um, and then continue to go to church every week, listen to youth group. I wasn't really discipled um, and didn't have a lot of understanding, I suppose. Um, and Jesus, the word says, my people perish because of their lack of understanding. I didn't have any understanding, to be honest. Even though I was in church, my gosh, even though I was in youth group, And uh, I was navigating my way through high school and I was a good girl. I was part of the nerd clan. I didn't go down the drug, alcohol, sex route. That wasn't, that wasn't my thing. Um, but I also just didn't live for Jesus, really. I had a Christian confession. That's really all I had. And so when a fork in the road came when I was 18, and there was a very clear, what are you going to do, Naomi? Are you going to go off and do what feels good and the way that seems right to a man? Or are you going to follow Jesus? And I chose the way that seems right to a man, the way that feels good right now, because I didn't know him. I didn't know the Lord. All I had was a Christian confession and a list of things that I knew I shouldn't be doing and should be doing. So I wandered in the wilderness for a while. And it still didn't look like, you know, hectic partying or drugs or anything. It didn't look like that. But it was still, I was far from God. And I was lost and broken. And when I was 21 years old, the Lord woke me up. 3am one morning and I was fast asleep and I woke up with a <gasps> like that and the Lord spoke and he said Naomi if you were to die tonight where would you go and I was instantly hit with the fear of the Lord God was talking to me And he asked again, Naomi, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? And so now I'm weeping in the presence of the Lord. And I'm shaking in my bed. And I'm like, I didn't even know that, that I could talk back, really. But I was like, I don't really want to answer that question. And then a third time he asked me so gently, like a father, Naomi, you were to die tonight, where would you go? And I, I managed to get out. I wouldn't go to heaven, would I? 
And he said, no, you wouldn't. And so I was born again in my bed that night. I was like, Father, God, I don't know what it looks like to follow you, but I'm going to work out what it looks like to follow you. And I repent of going my own way and I want to go your way. And then I rang up my, the only person in the town I was living in that I knew was a Christian and he, were, he happened to be my boss. And I was just like, I need to come to church on Sunday. And he's like, great. <laughs> Gave me the details. I come to church on Sunday. And then the preacher, he preaches from John 17 verse 3. And it says, this is eternal life that you might know God and Jesus Christ to you sent. Huh. And I sat there with like tears streaming down my face because I was like, I've been in church my whole life except for these three years. No one told me that it was all about knowing God. In all that time, in you, in kids' church, in big grown-up church, in multiple denominations, no one told me it was about knowing God. And I feel like if we're going to live with an eternal perspective, we have to start there. Because eternity is in Him. And so it all comes back, this part of our life, it has to be about knowing him. That has to be the number one priority of our lives. It's about knowing God. And I promise, once you get this right, then it will be evident what it looks like to build your life and to walk with him and to do good works. Once you're in relationship and, and there's this happening, it's, it's, you walk your life with God then. And it's like, hey, Naomi, don't, don't go down that path. And it's like, oh, okay. Hey, Naomi, uh, there's an invitation there. I want, you to, I want you to do that. Hey, Naomi, can you give that person money? Hey, Naomi, I want you to go and pray for 24 hours. I don't feel like it. But I'm, I'm asking you to. And I'm like, oh, um, okay. It's like John 15, abide in the vine, and you will bear much fruit. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can, man, you can have a Christian confession and, and not know him really, 